I forgot I was the green one. Good morning, everyone. You may wonder why I'm up here by myself. I was actually wondering that too. I need some lovely ladies to come up here and sing with me. There's a volunteer. All right, have you ever thought about how wonderful God is and that you're amazed at who he is and all he does? Have you ever thought about you're so amazed you wanted to stand? That you would stand amazed in his presence? Let's do that. Let's sing. I stand amazed in his presence. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Amen. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own grief, but sweat drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see. T'will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Amen. Sing it. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Please be seated. That's a song we need to remember every day, isn't it? All right. Good morning, Tucson Mountain. I am not Jasper. You need to pray for Jasper. He and Iris and the baby all have pink eye. Yeah, it was Iris's fault. She brought it home from school. Okay. Your announcements. There's a lot of ladies' events. There's a lot of men's events. Read them. <laughs> you know, this costs a little bit of money to print, so take the time, you know, to read it. Um, there is a parents' timeout fun day, February 22nd, at uh, Linda Baker's house. We have several ladies' events that are in there, and there is a, a, a ladies' event that's going to happen March 16th, and the ladies are going to take a road trip. You'd be praying for him. Yeah, see my wife over there. Hoo -hoo. Um, and a homeless ministry does need some warm clothing and blankets and things. So if you have an extra old coat, they say, please don't give them new stuff. Give them used stuff. It goes a lot further because some of these folks take it and they'll use it a few times and they'll abandon it. So don't give them new stuff. 
Also, Franklin Graham Crusade is coming to town. We've been talking about that. That is March 5th. Please be praying for that event. All right? Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you this morning, and we commit this time to you. We pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us through your music and the message. And Father, just help bind us together as a family. Help us remember to love one another and to love our neighbors of ourselves. But more than anything else, Lord, to love you first and foremost. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm a little disappointed because we were going to do, you know, a special birthday thing for Jasper when he came up to do the announcements. And once we got him up here, since he doesn't like that kind of thing, we had already practiced how to stop him from getting off the stage before we, we, we dealt with him. But don't tell him. We'll, we'll have to do that later, I guess. Okay. Uh, so we won't demonstrate. We won't demonstrate. It's hard to get used to all this stuff. We'll still do it. Jasper, you must be here or we'll come get you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, please be praying for uh, Bill Hamilton. Uh, a lot of people know him as Whopper. Um, he's got diabetes and he, he's having a real hard time with his foot and may have to get amputated. So please pray for him about that right now. He's apparently uh, has a hard time following the doctor's orders, as some people do. So let's pray for him on that. Let's just say a special prayer right now. Father, we want to pray for Bill. Uh, with this uh, extreme situation with his diabetes and his foot, we ask for protection and blessing and, and your provision for them in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to read our scripture today. Um, this morning's uh, sermon is about loving our neighbors ourselves and loving our neighborhood, right? So uh, the scripture is from Jeremiah 29. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Amen? need to pray for our government, our leaders, our communities. All right. Let's uh, continue singing. We're going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever Verse 2, summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to
Savior. Falling before your throne 
fans in the audience in the congregation today or there we go don't be ashamed there's nothing to be ashamed about I'm one too <laughs> this is an this is an oldie and it's a powerful song we're gonna sing this as a special if that isn't love Once again, good morning, Tucson Mountain. Morning. Loving your neighbor as yourself. 
How important is that? Well, Jesus says it's the second most important thing we can do in life. Life is not about acquisition. It's not about accomplishment. It's not about achievement. It's not even about extracurricular activity. God put, said you were put here to do two things. Life, according to Jesus, was learning how to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second thing was like it, and that was to love others as yourself. Listen, he didn't simply say, we want you to treat people nice. We want you to be kind to one another. We want you to be generous with one another. He said, I want you to love one another. Now that is a tall order. And sometimes it's hard. It's a big commandment, is it not? What does it mean to love somebody as I love myself? I've been thinking about this for the last four weeks that we've been looking at this. You know, we typically do a lot to take care of ourselves. When we get up in the morning, we clean up, we wash our face, we wash our hair, we brush our teeth. We do all the personal hygiene things we need to do. We take our vitamins, we eat our breakfast, we take care of ourselves. So do we really love others and take care of our others as we do ourselves? That's the question. On and on it goes. We do all those things to take care of ourselves. You know, today is about loving your neighborhood. And the scripture verse that Craig read is one of the ones that's in the notes today. All the people living around you. Do you realize two times in history the nation of Israel was taken captive? The very first time was when they were taken into Egypt. And they were there, how long? 400 years in captivity. That's the Moses story. But then the second time they were taken, they were taken, they, they disobeyed God again. And God took them into the nation of Babylon. Babylon come along, which is now modern day Iraq, and took them captive for 70 years. And it's interesting to think about Babylon was a city much like we would think of New York or London or Tokyo today. It was a major hub. It was a city. It was a major city. So as we think about these things, Jeremiah 29, 7, a little bit of that verse says this. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now that's interesting. Pray for it to prosper, because if it prospers, you're going to prosper. Think about this for a second. If thousands of years ago... God told the nation of Israel to pray for the city they were in. Even though they didn't want to be there, even though they were taken there by captivity, if he tells them to pray for that city, don't you think he would want us to pray for our city today? I do. I think he wants to pray for the success of the city we live in. And he didn't say anywhere in Scripture that it had to be an all-Christian city. He says, wherever you're at, pray for that city. That's what he's telling the nation of Israel. You know, several weeks ago, Pastor Jasper on a Wednesday night threw out quite a challenge. And I heard a little bit different challenge than some other folks that I've talked to. But he said, we are salt and light. And if we lose our saltiness and we lose our light, what good are we? I'm putting in my terms. He didn't say it quite that abruptly. But you know what? He said it's salt 
that has no worth is trampled underfoot. Listen, I don't think we as Christians, as this body of believers, as this church, want to be trampled underfoot. There's too many ministries operating and too many things taking place in our community and outside of our community that tells me otherwise. We are to be salt and light. You know, years ago, Miles McPherson, he is a pastor at a church in San Diego, outside of San Diego. The church is called The Rock. Now, Miles McPherson used to play football, and he played for the San Diego Chargers. And he's, a, he's an interesting gentleman because he was hooked on drugs, and he got hooked on drugs while playing football, professional football. And he became a pastor when he got his life straightened out. But he wrote a book, Do Something, Make Your Life Count. And he gives five little particular snippets in there in this book about why we are particularly equipped to do God's work. Five basic reasons. The very first one is he says, we have been completely prepared by God to do something great. In Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Have you ever thought about your life that way? God has prepared you to do something in life, and it's great. It's not mediocre. It's not lackadaisical. It's great. Number two is there is a simple purpose behind everything we do. Individually and as a church. Body. There is something there. That purpose is to love God and to love others. Listen. We are to tell everyone who will stand still long enough to listen about the story of Jesus, that story, and why he came to save us and why he came to save them. Loving God means telling others. Number three is we do what we do, and it sometimes involves pain. Listen, if you're in ministry in any shape, form, or fashion, or you're reaching out to somebody and giving them your personal testimony, or sharing Jesus with them, you're talking to them because you perceive that they're in some kind of pain. And they're in some kind of need. And they need Jesus. Now, is that going to take away all the pain? Absolutely not. And anybody that's watching online or listening online or sitting here today, you, hopefully you understand that. Because if somebody has told you that the minute you see, receive Jesus, everything's going to be hunky-dory, they're lying to you. Because Scripture tells us there's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be troubles. But the difference is Jesus is walking through them with you. You are not alone. Number four, God has provided the power for you to do something. Something significant in your life. Ephesians 3.20 in the New Century Version says, With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than we can ever ask or imagine. Number five, doing significant things in life requires a passion that constantly says, don't quit. Listen, we live in a world, I told you last week, where it's very easy to just throw in the towel and quit. But if you have passion for something, you don't give up. You don't surrender and you don't quit. Jesus replied 
in Luke 9.62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's why we need to do it. Listen, we live in a culture and a world today where our society is in critical condition. Think about this. People are obsessed. They're oppressed. They're depressed. They're drug addicted. They're suicidal. They're robbed, molested, raped, and killed. And God says, you as my body of believers are here to help those individuals, those families that are in pain and hurting. God has put the church in place to do the work of ministry. And we have to start thinking more and more like that. We are his army to render hope and help in the areas that we can. Are we going to be able to do every single thing? No. But we can do some things. And we can reach out into our community. Listen, whenever God sent a deliverer, he sent a deliverer to earth in response to the cries that he was hearing from the people of earth. We need to think about that for a second. Whether it was Moses, whether it was Judges, or whether it was Jesus, he always sent a deliverer because of the cries of the people. Do you believe we're living in a society today where there's cries coming from the people? That's true for you and me today, too. We're to do the work of ministry. The Jews were in slavery in Egypt. Look at Exodus 3, verse 7 with me. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their sufferings. How's he going to fix it? Verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land in a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you realize what that says? You know, I had to think about this a little bit. A land flowing with milk and honey. And I come to the conclusion that it's like this. He's saying something much more, much, much more. Wherever there's milk, you know there's got to be a cow. Wherever there's a cow, you know there's got to be grass. And wherever there's grass, you know there's got to be water. So he's saying something much larger. He's basically saying, you know, right now we have a, a brown cow eating green grass, drinking under a blue sky, drinking blue water that's giving white milk. It's the same way with the honey. Think about it for a second. He's implying that if there's a bee, there has to be a plant. And if there's a plant, there has to be a flower. And if there's a flower, there has to be nectar. He's expanding on it. He's giving them a brief synopsis, but he's saying there's much, much more. He's taking them out of the desert place and he's putting them in a lush garden. He's saying, listen, I'm going to take you out of this desolate place and put you in a place that is going to take care of you and take care of your livestock. Verses 9 and 10 goes on and says, Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, he's talking to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Listen, some of us, some of you have been called and said, you are to take my people forward. Some of you sitting here today have been told that. You might be ignoring it, but you've been told it. Listen, God's in heaven listening to people cry out because they're in pain. They're hurting. 
I believe God hears a lot more pain today than he does praises. And that's unfortunate. Have you ever heard somebody ask, if God is real, why does he allow so much suffering in the world? If God is real, why are there so many people starving? I think God is sitting on his throne and is going and wondering and thinking, I wonder the same thing. Here's the problem. Here's the real problem. Do you realize that worldwide, they, they now calculate that enough food is produced to feed every living human being in the world. And I just looked up the statistics, and I'm going to tell you more about it next week in next week's sermon. There's 8.1 billion people in the world as of the end of last year. Now, with that statistic in mind, they say there's enough food to feed all these people, but it's not getting distributed. Why? How? There's some problems there. God's wondering, why are all these people starving? When they have the technology, they have the know-how, they have the means to feed everybody on earth. Listen, whether it's the Israelites who were being oppressed by their enemies and crying out to God, he would send a judge. We read in the Gospels that the primary reason Jesus came was to save us and to rescue us. Yes, he came to save us and rescue us from sin, but he came... Because someone was crying out in the wilderness, his people were crying out. So when people cried out, then God sent his help. When people cry out today, God sends his help. But we have to be the arms and the legs. We are the army of God. The church, by definition, is a body. And a body that should be doing the work of Jesus. There's three specific things that Jesus did. There's a lot of things that Jesus did that we can't do, but there's three specific things that he did that we can do. The very first thing is he kept count. He kept count. That's what Jesus did. I know some of you don't like math, but let me ask you a question. Do you check your balance in your checking book or your bank account? Do you go online and look at how much money is there before you go make a major purchase? Do you bother looking at how many vacation days you have when it comes time to take a vacation? If you're still working? Do you watch the weight on the scale? See, there's some people that tell me we shouldn't count anything. We shouldn't count the people in here. We shouldn't count the people in Sunday school. How do we know if we're making any progress if we don't keep count? Listen, think about it. There's a whole book in the Bible that says numbers. <laughs> Jesus kept count. He uses numbers in multiple ways, in multiple places. You can't measure anything without a number. How would you ladies like to do all your cooking without a measuring cup? Some of you might do that anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Why does he do that? Why does he keep count? Look, one of the main ways that he keeps count, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. One son. He keeps count. He told the story of the man with a hundred sheep that lost one. 
And he's, he's basically trying to get us to understand he would leave the 99 to go look for the one because that one was important. Every single number represents a person. That represents a soul. That represents somebody that Jesus and God care about. And we should too. Listen. Jesus said to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Look at what he says. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Good old Peter, sticking his foot in his mouth again. I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Listen, Jesus said, you're going to know that denial is complete when you hear the rooster crow twice. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days. Luke 17, 11, and 12. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. How many did he meet? 10. He met the leopards and they stood afar off. Why? Because leopards, leprosy was hugely contagious. I mean, you could lose your digits, your fingers, your toes, limbs, if it wasn't treated. In some cases, even if it was treated. Verse 13 says, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw him, when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Listen. Jesus loved the unlovable, and he healed the unhealable. He said, go and show yourselves to the priest right now. Don't wait. And as they went, Scripture says they were cleansed. But then the verse goes on. Look at what it says. 15 through 18. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. We talked about the Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Numbers. Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? Listen, this one lone Samaritan came back to say thank you because he realized the precious gift that he had been given. The other nine went on their merry way. So let me plant a couple of seeds here just for a moment. Do you know how many people are killed in our community each year? Do you know how many divorces take place each year? Do you know how many alcoholics are attending AA meetings? Do you know how many drug addicts are attending NA meetings? Do you know how many homeless people there are? You know, all this information is knowable. But do we really look at it? How much do we really care? 
God in heaven hears the cries of all the people in pain down here on earth. And because of that, he sends help, but we have to be that help. He knows who they are, and he knows what they need. He knows the hopes and fears and aspirations of everyone on earth. Listen, his body, the church, is supposed to come to know and to help those in need. You know, it's been stated in America, one out of every four women by the time they're 18 years of old have been groped, molested, assaulted, or raped. One out of every two men in and outside the church has or is watching pornography. One out of every six women has or is watching pornography. What does all this mean? It means that when you drive to work, when you go to the store, when you come to church each morning and you drive by these places, there's people crying out in pain because of the disparity going on on this earth. And that means we have to do something. People cry out to God and God says, if only my people would listen and help and be willing to offer the hope that I give them to others. So that requires something that we have to do. We as Christians, we as the church, as the body of Christ, the second thing we need to do is we need to go. We need to go. Jesus walked everywhere he went. Can you imagine that? He could have simply sat in the synagogue or the temple and said, okay, if you want help, you come to me. But he didn't do that. He went to the tax collector's home. He went to sinners' homes. He went to his enemies' homes. He went to everywhere he went. He went to parties. In Deuteronomy 11, 24, it says, every place where you set your foot will be yours. He went to the tombs to meet possessed people. Everywhere he went. Moses told the Israelites right before they went into the promised land that they would claim all the land they were walking on. Now I want you to think about this for a second. Big picture. They would, if they walked on it and they stood on it, they would claim it. It would be theirs. But here's the flip side. The devil's also doing the same thing. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But do you realize that when Moses went to the mountain and he was by the burning bush, Jesus said, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. This is my land. This is my mountain. You respect it. And later on, the, the, the process, if they were going to swap deeds, they would take off their shoes. And that was the The commencement are the work of changing that deed because they were standing on that land. Think about it. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. But the devil is also working. He says there's places that are his that we have no business in as Christians. We have no business, business praying for. You know, at McPherson's Church, The Rock, in San Diego, they have a ministry called the JC Girls. Now, this is a women's ministry only, because what they do is they go into strip clubs, 
that go into bars. And they take all these girls working in the strip clubs and they have a little pink basket. And these ladies go in there and they sit down with these strippers and they talk to them and they minister to them. And in these little baskets, they have pink Bibles and they have the, the uh, Ten Commandments and they have little girly things in there. Women's hygiene needs and such as that. And they give these girls that. But you know what they also do? When those girls get arrested for drugs or solicitation, they go to jail and see them. They go to court with them. When they're at home and they're hurting, they go pray with them. Or when they're suicidal, they go talk to them. They get involved in their lives. They're committed to taking care of them. And then they bring them to church. And they show them what it means to be a Christian. And they share their lives with them. Listen, we have to remember the realm of spiritual forces, evil spiritual forces work on a completely different level than we do. We tend to forget that, I think. They work in a different realm. Yet they know who you are as Christians. They know the strong ones from the weak ones. They know that. But here's the problem. Jesus never had to announce who he was anywhere he went. Think about that for a second. He could walk into the tombs and the possessed man would come down and just lay himself at his feet. And he does. Mark 5, 1 and 2 says this. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Listen, the man's soul, the man's spirit wanted to worship Jesus. But the devil said, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. Because look at what he tells him next. Their whole strategy is built on lies. Remember, Satan is the father of all lies. Verse 7, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want, me, want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Now that's self-preservation from a demon. Think about that for a second. The demons know who Jesus is. They know who his authority lies with, and they know his power. So when you drive by these places where these people are hurting and the demons are harassing people, whether it be bars or strip clubs, whatever. Satan's, Satan's saying and whispering in your ear. He's going, yeah, you just keep on going. Keep on driving. Be a good little Christian. Going down the road. He's saying, don't stop here and don't pray here. Because this is, I've claimed this as my territory. But what would happen if you turn around and got in that parking lot? And I don't expect you to go in there. But what would happen if you pulled in that parking lot and all of a sudden say to prayer or prayed for those people as you drove by and said, God, work in their lives, draw them to you. All it takes is a minute sometime. Listen, if all we do is come and sit in church or sit in Bible studies, then the problem is Satan's little demons are going to do what Satan's little demons do. And that's whatever they want. 
And we're not going to draw this life to a close unless we get with the program and start doing some things differently. The saints are supposed to do the work of the ministry. So the very first thing you want to do is you want to count. The second thing we want to do is we want to go. But the third thing we need to do is we need to ask. Ask. People are so hung up on offending somebody by simply asking if they need to know or want to know about Jesus. Listen, Jesus said when you ask that question, people are going to be offended. So get used to it. He tells us that from the get-go. Jesus in Mark 10, 51 asked, what do you want me to do for you? They bought, brought the blind man Bartimaeus to him. And he simply asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? How many of you go to a restaurant or a maybe Starbucks or Domino's down here or Subway and you see the same people when you go in there most of the time? How often do you ask them, you know what? I come in here often, I see you. What can I do for you? How can I pray for you? Is there anything you need to pray for, prayer for? You know, the first few times you do that, they may go, no, nah, I'm good. That's what everybody says. No, I'm fine. I don't need anything. But you know what? One day you're going to go in there and you're going to ask them that question. You're going to go, man, I'm so glad you asked because my mom is sick. My dad's dying of cancer. My marriage is falling apart. My little girl, my little boy, my son, my daughter, whatever it might be, one day they're going to accept that. And that opens the door. If they don't know Jesus, that opens the door. Because you just showing them that you care and being willing to share with them will give them the opportunity to understand there's something different about you. What are you going to say? Oh, I don't know what to do. No, you're not. Listen, we have a ministry to the world. You're going to say, let me sit down and pray with you and just ask God's help. Just ask God to minister to you in your time of need. We can do that. How can I pray with you? What can I pray with you about today? 1 John 5, 5, 5, 1 through 5 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. This is the love of God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. Who is, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 3 says, to love God is to obey God. Remember what it said? These two commandments. These two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. 
Listen, God has commanded us to love our neighbors. God has given us the, that responsibility. Doing the work of the ministry is not just simply coming to church or sitting in a Bible study. I understand there's a big football game today. Right? Think about that big football game. When you, when you, if you're watching on TV, are you going to go to the stadium and watch that big football game? Do you go to watch the game or do you go watch the huddle? Not the halftime show, the huddle. You don't go to watch the huddle. Listen, this is the huddle. The game is out there. It's in our neighborhoods. It's with our neighbors. It's with our families. It's with our coworkers. It's with our friends. You don't come to watch the huddle. You come to play the game or watch the game. Those football players come to play the game. John 19, 10 and 11. Do you refuse Pilate's talking to Jesus when he was going to be crucified? Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Listen, there's two kinds of power. There's supernatural power and there's natural power. Pilate had natural power. Think about this. It's, it's sort of like snap, crackle, pop power. That kind of power can be given. It can be taken away. But supernatural power can only be received. Jesus tells us he gives us supernatural power. Are you putting it into practice? Are you using it? Jesus said, I have dunamis. I have dynamite. Dynamic power. He says, you can beat me. You can nail me to a wooden cross. You can put me in a tomb. And three days later, that dynamite power is going to raise me again. That's supernatural power. And you know what? Every single one of you that profess to be a Christian, you have that same spirit living within you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have that dynamite power. You may not be exercising it, but it's there. God says, I've called you and anointed you with power from on high. I've called you to do things, and I've told you. We've come full circle now. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's already prepared in advance for you to do. That's dynamic power. Those good works are just waiting for us to complete there are people out there in the world crying out for help. And we need, we need to be willing to help them. God has given us his word. He's given us the power. He's given us the praise. He's given us the promise to do what needs to be done when we need to do it. So I want to encourage you to take this truth to the community. Take this truth outside. Take it to your families, take it to your jobs, take it to your friends, take it to your neighborhoods. That's what he's calling us to do. You know, we, we live in such a chaotic society. Just, 
It amazes me sometimes. It's easy to criticize America. It's easy to criticize our local government. It's easy to criticize your city and your neighborhood. But you know what? It's much more difficult to love the city you live in, to love the country you live in, and to pray to make it better. But that's what we are called to be doing as Christians. We ought to know more about our neighborhood than anybody else in our neighborhood. Maybe it's just the street you live on. Maybe that's your local neighborhood. Maybe it's the block you live on. But you need to know about your neighborhood. You need to know about your neighbors. You know, you can't help your neighbor if you don't know who they are. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors and to help meet their needs and to help meet all the needs of those around us that are in pain. We need to remember that. When you do that, what are you doing? When you do that, you're building a bridge from your heart to their heart that Jesus can cross over to and tell them who he is and show them who he is through the demonstration of your love to them. That's what he's telling us to do. That's what he challenges us to do. Every single one of us. How, how, how do I help my neighbor? How can I do that? Just love them. Just be there. Just tell them and ask them, what can I do for you? How can I pray for you today? Let's pray. Father God, we just, there's so many things that you encourage us to do and you command us to do. Father, I want our hearts to be filled with gratitude, an attitude of gratitude for everything that you give us and everything that you do for us. But I pray, Lord, that you would instill in us the desire to move out of our comfort zone sometimes and minister to those who we know are in need. And when we know they're in need, don't, don't just wait for them to come to us. If we know there's a need, go to them. Help us go to them and share with them what we have and what we can do. Help remind us that you did that for us. And we should be willing to do it for others. You know, I'm pretty sure every single one of us here had somebody that was praying for them before they accepted Jesus. I'm pretty sure somebody spoke to them personally about what it meant to be a Christian. And I pray that you would give us that same intestinal fortitude, that same strength, that same tenacity to not be worried about offending someone and to share Jesus with others. Now, Father, if there's somebody here today that is curious about this or struggling with this, or maybe they know deep down inside they need to accept you as Jesus and Lord and Savior, that you would just draw them to you today, that they'd be willing to step out and come down that aisle and share that with me so that we can help them understand truly what that means for their life. You have called out to them to be rescued, Lord. You called out to them to be saved. And we ask that you would allow us to help do that. Now, Father, if there's somebody here that's already done that, but maybe they have not um, been baptized 
Maybe they did the first part, but they haven't done the second part. Your word says that baptism doesn't save us, but it's the first major step of obedience. It's the physical act of giving up that old life and being raised again out of those baptismal waters to a brand new life. Father, maybe there's some folks here that have done all that. They, maybe they're from another church. Maybe they're from another religious background. But they know that you are Savior and Lord and they have accepted you. But they've never been part of a Bible-believing church. They've never been part of a fellowship and a family quite like this. And we are peculiar people, Lord. We admit that. But Lord, we thank you for your blessings. And if there is those that need to be a part of this family or would like to be a part of this family or know more about it, I ask that you would draw them today to come forward and just share that with us. Whatever the need may be, Lord, here today, I pray that you would share those needs with us and that we could celebrate being able to help in those areas. And we ask all these things in your son Jesus' most precious name. Amen. If you can and would, stand, please. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath the flood, who saw their guilty Thank you for coming today. There was, um, I had a list of several people to pray for, but I think I'm just going to make it a blanket prayer. We have a lot of people that are suffering from flu and COVID. Uh, there was a surgery canceled because of COVID. There's some other things that are in the works. We're waiting on some test results for some other people. Um, just pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ that God would continue healing and then he would give those technicians and those doctors and nurses, the, heaven, the heavenly wisdom they need to treat those things. Um, and uh, 
do, of course, pray for Bill Hamilton and pray for Jasper and Iris and the baby. And uh, we got a lot of upcoming events. Next Saturday is going to be a very busy day in a lot of different ways. And uh, just pray for those events in the bulletin that you see. And uh, pray for the Franklin Graham Crusade that's coming in March. And pray for one another. And pray for your neighbors. Learn to love your neighbors as yourself. Father, we just lift these things up to you today. We pray for all these individuals that are struggling with health issues, whether they be hearts or whether they um, be physical ailments, spiritual ailments, mental health issues, whatever they might be, Lord. It'd be our prayer, our hope, that you would place your healing hand upon them and strengthen and encourage them so that they would be able to rejoin us back as soon as possible. And Father, we love you and we praise you and lift all these things up to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming today. I like the music today, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's sing together. How majestic is your name, O Lord. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. O Lord, we praise your name. O Lord, we magnify your name, Prince of Peace, mighty God. O Lord, God Almighty. One more time. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Majestic is your name in all the earth. O Lord, we praise your name. O Lord, we magnify your name, Prince of Peace, mighty God. O Lord, God Almighty. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a good week.